And welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here, joined as always by my guys Andrew Tursky and Chris McCormick. We return from our tryptophan-induced hibernation. <laughs> More or less like a week. Yep. We were off for Thanksgiving. Sorry for the week break. We are back. I know. I did get a couple of DMs from people asking if we were going to be yep. doing a pod. Yep. I, I appreciate that you actually check and wonder if we're going to be doing a podcast that comes out every Thursday. But yeah, we took a week off for Thanksgiving. Quick question. What's your favorite Thanksgiving sides? Wow. You just stole my next oh. topic. Oh, go for favorite it. Thanksgiving sides. Yep. Well, pick one side, not like list all your favorites because they're all good. But. All right, fair enough. I, I Midwest boy, I'm going green bean casserole. Ooh, love it. With the extra French onion oh, crisps on top. Gotta have the crunch. Yep. Gotta have it. Love that. J-Wall? It's Texas. Tough. I feel like you guys might do something different down there that we don't even know about. They just put barbecue sauce on everything and call <laughs> it a day. I mean, I would probably go with like a like a sweet potato casserole. Okay. That's I mean, fair. It's it's pretty solid. It's it's like filling enough to where you can get everything else. It's a good little bit of sweet with the salty. Is so, that the one that comes with mushroom or uh, not mushrooms? Marshmallows sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You can do you like that. it with the mellows? I I, I can go with with or without. Okay. I typically go without and go with a little bit of pecans on top. I was going to say, is not it pecans, pecans or pecan? <laughs> well, I was going to ask what what topping do you prefer, the pecan or the pecan? Whatever. Just Either keep way. it going. Tursky. Well, my favorite Thanksgiving side dish, which I will say is not going to count, so I'll go with my other one, is mac and cheese, but that's not just a Thanksgiving side dish. That's like, like, like I eat that, side That's dish. like I eat that every day, so <laughs> yeah, I don't I'm think sure that you do. I actually do. Like, what, were you gonna, what was the one that wasn't going to count? That mac and cheese, I say, doesn't count because it's oh, not it a counts. Thanksgiving side, it so counts. I'm going to go with stuffing because I don't eat that every single day Fair in my enough. life. Fair enough. Can I tell you what's really played out? And I kept hearing this over Thanksgiving is they were asking athletes about, you know, Thanksgiving meals. And some guys were like, Thanksgiving mm -hmm. food's overrated. Apple pie's overrated. And I'm like, you know what? I, I really don't care. <laughs> are you are you going for if you're going for these hot takes, like don't, trying to dunk on Thanksgiving food? <laughs> like, I don't want to hear it. I don't care if you don't like apple pie or pumpkin pie where you think the Thanksgiving food is overrated. Like, I love it. I agree. It, it, so we, do don't, I. we don't eat it all the time, but some people, I think they're just looking for a little bit of shock value. But anyway. It gets the people going, though. Yeah. It gets a bunch of retweets and comments. I, I and just like, hate people. There's, there's the virality aspect of it, but yeah, like, uh, don't hate on Thanksgiving. Man. No, you can't, you can't hate on Thanksgiving. People, but I saw people on social media being like, Oh man, turkey, it's so overrated. It's dry. I'm like, man, you can do get you some good gravy. Yeah. Then you won't complain so much. Exactly. Come on. So we are all together. Yep. Here in the studio. In studio in Scottsdale. There's a reason why we are together. We are cranking on golf's club test right now. So much content. Yeah. So yeah. much content. So we've we've been doing videos myself. And Tursky and Chris doing testing videos, checking out the new product. Some of it is just rundowns on new product, whereas some of these other videos we're doing are a little bit, you know, of a deeper dive, testing the new stuff against the old stuff with the Foresight GC Quad. And we're seeing some interesting stuff. I'm excited. I think there are some products out there. And we say this every year. Every there year. are some products that are going to surprise. I think this year, I don't know. I'm going to say it. I think I think 
this is going to be a big year for gear. I was going to say, yeah, there, there, there's, there's a lot of hot products coming out. There is there. And we've from all sorts of companies too, not just, yeah, the big it's, names. it's not one. Yeah. I mean, there's so much good gear coming out. Yep. Yeah. It's, I don't say that every year. I'm pretty particular about my, about my, my tech. I didn't hear you say it last and year. No, that's, that's the thing. Well, I, I wasn't as involved in club test last year, but the stuff that we're seeing for 22, I'm excited about. You're going to regret getting this involved in golf's club <laughs> test. No, I'm you're, a you're now you're now nerd. like chained to us. We we've chained you to he us. Volunteer. It's his fault. Yeah, I volunteered for it. I mean, this is what I like to do. Do yeah. I want to sit in an office and stare at a spreadsheet? No, I want to be out in the dirt, hitting golf shots, looking at numbers. Playing with new toys. Saw me hit a lot of golf shots today. A lot Man. of golf shots. Woo. A lot of golf if shots. If only we had some lefty clubs so I could have gotten <laughs> in on the action. I did feel very bad as Turski's just ripping ball like one after the other late into the afternoon. I needed a relief his back pitcher. is shot. Yep. He's like, I think I may have a little bit of a blister <laughs> issue going on. It was it was a little bit touch and go towards the end. <laughs> yeah, I, I provided water, kept everybody hydrated. He did. I had a hypervolt on site. Tylenol. I had, I had Tylenol. Yep. Came hey, in late with the Tylenol. That's it. The only thing we were missing was you know, the the tie. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. My phone was about to explode. I think. How about be a professional podcaster and turn the phone off? Hey, that was well, like a self destruct. If I actually knew, found there. listen, these new iPhones—they are not that easy to turn off. It's not as simple as just Whoa, getting no a power free button. ads. No free ads. Just a cell phone. Uh, sorry, a mobile phone. There you go. Mobile. Mobile. <laughs> uh, so, in addition to the club desk videos, we're we're going to be doing something pretty fun. The early part of next week, and super fun. Heading out to yep. San Diego to do a little bit of work with. Gene Parenti. If Friend you, of the show. Yeah. Well, he's going to be a big part of the show yeah. going forward. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to the the episode with Gene, uh, Gene is going to be doing a robot testing. He's, I would say he's the foremost name in the industry for robot. I mean, Dr. Robot. expert for sure. Yeah. He was actually, uh, I think he was out here in Scottsdale delivering a robot to somebody. Won't say who. Yeah. Won't say who. Can't, but can't disclose. Deep pockets. He does supply the... Uh, that's too much of a hint. <laughs> he does supply the robots for like pretty much every major OEM, plus all the, the USG, governing bodies. Plus the USGA, yeah. plus the RNA, yeah. yeah. So like if we're, you want a golf robot, you're going to Gene. Yeah, you are. Is it an he, OEM knows, he knows everything here in Arizona? What's that? Is it an OEM here in Arizona? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so we're going to be going and, and doing some robot testing with Gene. We have a lot of fun testing. And look, we've, we've already run robot testing with drivers. We've, we've yep. kind of mentioned that we already did that. We're All doing, of them. We're doing really extensive. You know, we did three point with the previous robot testing. We're going to nine. We're seeing a lot of things that you just don't see at three when you're, when you're hitting from three different locations, when you're hitting from nine, you're going to get a lot more. Anything you want to know about all the new drivers, we know it. (laughs) We know. We already know it. We know it. Yep. We already know it. The goods, the bads. Yeah. Yeah. It's all there. All the dirty laundry has been aired. The surprising goods, we know it all. Yeah. And it's been fun. And now we're going to do some additional testing with Gene. So look for that. Tons of content. I would say an avalanche of gear content that's going to be coming at you in the next few months. So much. Like video, podcasts, stories, like. You just got to look out for everything. Social media content. Maybe some TikTok. At Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram, by the way. Maybe some TikToks also at Fully Equipped Golf. I like it. I like it. A couple plugs early. All right. Before we get into the the real stuff. Yeah, so let's get into the the meat and potatoes. 
of this episode. There was something that went on last week. You know, here we are. We're just trying to look for a quiet week to shut it down. I know. Give me one (laughs) One, quiet week. One quiet week. And what happens? Numero uno on the free agent want list is now a staffer. I can't believe he signed with anyone. Brooks Kepka is a Cleveland Shricks on staffer. I mean, congratulations. Has that sunk sunk in yet to you guys? That's a big get for Cleveland. He was always. I mean, the champion for being brand agnostic. Yeah. He was all about, I play the product that works. I don't have an allegiance to anybody. Mm-hmm. What's in my bag is what works best for me. And now, staff deal. Yep. So, I kind of felt it coming when he switched those tricks on irons. Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, I, I kind of, like, I don't know. I, I kind of was like you. I thought maybe it was going to happen, but... I just really didn't see – it was like, yeah, a little bit of smoke, but not a lot of fire. But he was like testing the golf ball too at the same time, so I felt like something was going on behind the scenes there. And But he doesn't have any ties. It just was kind of weird how they still waited till the end of the year. I mean, he could have signed with them at, at any point. I don't think he doesn't not have ties though. Like I think he's kind of friends with one of the reps or something. Well, well yeah, but I'm just saying like as far as with a lot of – players that are tied to a manufacturer they have to let their deal run out before they can sign somewhere oh like right Brooks, I, meaning, I see what you're saying yeah yeah, yeah 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 and you know he's already making a bunch of money i mean nike's different now that they no longer have the gear arm mm-hmm. those guys make their money based on their world ranking so when brooks was number one for for a pretty long while and winning majors you know you're you're kind of making big money based on your world ranking so mm-hmm. You know, he obviously didn't need to force the issue, but yeah. It well, he kind slipped of... down all the way to 16 now. He's well, 16 in the world rankings. Yes. Yeah. So maybe that Nike check's not hitting as hard. I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't know how that works. I still think he's a marquee player. Oh, for absolutely oh, for sure. a marquee hey, draw. Yeah. He's got to be moving the needle. He's got to still be getting that big check. So that was the question that I got from a lot of people was, how much do you think this deal is worth? So for those that Ooh. haven't heard about the, the deal details, it's not just the clubs in the bag. So it looks like it's probably going to be around 11, 12 clubs, which isn't surprising. There is a little bit of wiggle room. Most manufacturers offer that to, especially the big names. They give you a couple clubs to, to fiddle around with. But he has been playing the driver. He has been playing the driver. But he wasn't playing it until the match against, match right. against Bryson. That's the first time we saw him yeah, with the he what, was, CX-5. Yep. Yep. So he's in. He's in the new. He's in their their current driver. Let's call it that. Mm-hmm. It's been out for a little while, um, but it's also the staff bag. Which, if you think about the placement areas on a golfer that are the most valuable, mm-hmm. I mean, hats number one. Yeah. Front of shirts got to be number two. Staff bag's a biggie, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that's one of those where if, even if you've got a deal with a manufacturer, some of these guys can get bigger money going with like you know. Maybe a financial institution comes in and offers them big right. money to go to the side panels. See that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do. So that's where people started to ask me. They're like, hey, how much do you think he's making? And look, I, I don't know for sure, but I did do a story a couple of years ago where I, I remember spoke, the story. Yeah. That's a good one. I spoke to a couple of of guys in the industry that are that are close friends and and confidants and they guessed at the time, and this was right after Brooks had won the PGA. I mean, he won four majors in a, a pretty short span of time. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, top end with everything, probably five to seven a year would be, you know, 
on the high end, three to four, probably more conservative. I would say if if you were asking me for a real number, I think he's probably making four to five, four to five a year. I think that would be fair. And I think that would be like mutually beneficial too. Like think about how many people are now thinking about testing a Strixon driver now that they see Brooks Kepka or even a golf ball. You know, it kind of just puts that on the radar even more. It validates and, it, 100%. And it validates it, yeah. For sure. So Brooks is a staffer. I think we'll see some other guys. I mean, we're, we're right around that time of the year where you'll see, you know, the top 16 players in the world at Tiger's event. Yep. And then it's pretty much just shut it down. You know, a couple of guys, maybe you see some in the the father son, um, you know, but it's, it's gonna, it's gonna fire back up in January. And that's when we officially will get announcements on new signings. I don't think there's going to be any big, bigger name than Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. signing a deal, but I do think you'll see a little bit of movement. And again, this is, this is kind of what everybody loves about this time of the year for golf. It's, it's basically their hot stove. Yep. You know, guys, guys it's our changing. reality show. Yeah, it is. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It definitely it's our is. guilty pleasure for sure. Yeah. But again, I, I don't think it's going to be a big transition for Brooks. I mean, the golf ball is, golf is ball's prob- big. the golf ball is probably the biggest thing for him. And he's using a, a Shrixon prototype ball. So it's, it's not, it's not one of their current golf balls. And I'm kind of curious to, to get a little bit more on that. I did post some photos. I bet it's similar to the prototype that Kuchar just switched to at the RSM classic. Mm. Just the new version of. Well, that would yeah. also be a Bridgestone ball. Smart guy. <laughs> Instead of a Shrixon ball. <laughs> you right. I am right. <laughs> now, somebody else did switch to the ball that Kuchar put in play. The new Bridgestone Tour B golf ball. That would be Bryson DeChambeau. Bryson was using the new Tour B X. Ooh. And Brooks was using the new Shrixon prototype. So they both had brand new golf balls in play. Yep. Um, I actually have a that couple, time of the year. I actually have a couple dozen of those uh, Shrixon balls at home. Ooh. Yeah. Are I just haven't had a little testing. Haven't had a chance to sessions. haven't had a chance to do a little bit of testing, but it will happen. Just been too busy. And uh, and I will offer some insights on what I'm seeing. But yeah, it's uh, it's sitting at home right now. So we'll see what happens there. But Brooks for sure, major signing. And yeah, I would say that's like a probably a top ten gear story for this year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that's that's huge to see Brooks on a staff deal with somebody. That's not a like a top three story. Well, I'm just I'm just kind of like I I'm top not five. going through. Yeah, top, top five. five. You yeah, could, all right, you could safe. Say, yeah, safe there. Yeah. Safe, <laughs> safe top ten. Probably top five. But anyway, Brooks, you signed, sealed, and delivered. The other story I think we need to just briefly talk about is Tiger coming back. I think we should talk about it. Yeah. So I don't know my take on it, but we should talk about it. Well, I don't really know if there's a whole lot to say. I mean, Tiger's already said what he's going to say. Yeah. He, he spoke, he spoke, I guess, as we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday, Mm -hmm. he spoke to the media at his tournament in Albany in the Bahamas and, you know, offered, you know, a little bit of, of insight into kind of what things were like post surgery. I mean, they, he said that there was a, it was kind of 50, 50 on if he was gonna have a leg, yeah. um, which is really sobering. I mean, they, they had video of the guy who asked him that question and I guess he had a follow-up and he like was like, after he asked tiger about like, Hey, was there a chance you could have lost your leg? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it was, it was definitely a possibility. And the, the follow-up was not there. He just was like, yeah, Oh, uh, 
sorry. That gives me chills. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think Tiger said it best, you know, he's never going to play a full schedule ever again, but he's just grateful to, to be there, to be a parent, to be able to Mm -hmm. like be in his kids' lives and to, to watch his son play golf now. And, you know, I hate using, I hate using Ben Hogan as a comparison, but Tiger did. He said it's, you know, more than likely, he's just going to kind of pick his spots from here on out, which brings me to this question. I'm going to give you an over-under <laughs> on half a tournament for next season. Over-under half a tournament, meaning are you going under as he's not going to play any golf next season or over like he's going to play at least one tournament? Which way would you go if Vegas set the line at half? Over. Well, we talked about this briefly today, and the Open is at St. Andrews this year, and I think he has a big red circle on that date. And I think he's just trying to get his body ready for that. Yep. Um, but like his just life perspective now has obviously changed. And I think he's thankful to just be alive and be in his son's life. And we're all thankful for that. It's like, you know, you almost don't even want to start talking about golf yet. It's just like, it's cool that we get to see him speak again and kind of update us. Not that we deserve it or anything, but it's, it's nice that he let his fans know, let us know like where he's at, what he's been through. And like you said, it's just sobering really. Yeah. With the trauma that he went through. The fact that he's talking about teeing it up again on the PGA Tour, that in itself, you just go, wow. Yeah. He's just, he's different, man. What does he have left to prove? And he had kind of that resurgence. Mm -hmm. And we see him come back out. We see him win again. And how many just traumas does this guy's body have to go through? I know. It's been through so many. So many. Just near tragedy, you know? Where. Most players in his position, I mean, if you look at his resume, there's no reason to keep going. There's no reason to keep doing that to your body. There's no reason to keep pushing, keep playing. Yeah. And he's coming back again and wants to compete. And you know if he's going to tee it up, he wants to be competitive. He's just married to the game, man. Like, loves golf and just wants to win and compete. And I think he wants to show people that he can come back from something this wild you know and i'm sure that's like his everyday motivation in physical therapy and just everyday life can you imagine if he wins (laughs) no i can't i I can't imagine that we were saying the same thing about like could you imagine if tiger ever won after after the last time he made his comeback i mean and then he wins the masters in the zozo it's like just shuts everyone up he wins the tour championship i know oh yeah which which was just i mean Again, and and, and we we've, we're going to do a mailbag episode, I promise, because that's that's why we are here this week. But I, I don't think I've ever like shed a tear watching a golf tournament, like tour championship, like definitely. I was I was at Augusta when he won the Masters, and it's like there's no way I'm crying like Tiger winning the Masters. It, it, it was still just like a pinch me moment. No, I was cha- shedding tears tour, for that tour 2019 cha- Masters tour championship. Right? Watching him like walk up 18. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I was sitting there watching it at home and it's like, I can't believe I'm watching this. So yeah. Tiger's done it before. I, I think he, oh, look, and people call me crazy. I think he can do it again. I think even if he's playing a couple of tournaments, if he, if he picks and chooses his spots and he plays a couple of events and gets himself ready. I mean, the way that he mentally prepares for a golf tournament, not just like his getting his body ready, but getting his mind ready to go into that week, I I still think 
there's a chance that we could see him in the winter circle again. I don't want to doubt him because he's the best iron player ever. And his How mental do you bet against him? I know, but it's just like <laughs> golf courses are getting long. Competition's getting tough. Whew. It's it's tough to come back in this uh, like in this era. Yeah. Well, maybe he finds some golf courses that are – I mean – He's got to go shopping for golf courses that suit his game. And Augusta, I think he can be competitive still. Like Augusta's not – necessarily dependent on length and st andrews i mean he what about a there. place like a hilton head where it's like target golf <sighs> he could just take irons off the you don't have there. to bomb it there he's there, playing he's hilton head i don't know I he's mean, not gonna play does there he, does he still have the stinger <laughs> he definitely still I, has it I, yeah. I think i think you're probably right i don't think we're gonna see him at hilton head but it's just like you kind of start thinking about golf courses that that would suit his that would suit his game that are like you said i mean you're right you know, distance is, is not... I mean, his ball speed is going to be way lower than it was. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Anyway, so... He's re- bionic now. He comes out faster. What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> the reason we're here is because several weeks ago, I reached out to everybody on social media soliciting gear questions. Um, and I got to say, I just like took screenshots of the questions because we've been so busy. I really haven't looked at them all the way. So this is going to be like off the cuff, rapid fire. I don't know any of these questions. So we're just we, letting it rip. Yeah, we're going to, we're oh, going to let it rip. Oh man, this is dangerous, but let's, let's is this just a live show. We can edit this, right? We can, we can all right, edit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see what coach says. He's at practice right now. All so right. while, uh, while coach is away, the, uh, the boys are going to yep. probably get into some more trouble, but that'll be okay. All right, so let's start this off with a uh, a great question from actually from a buddy of mine from back home. He asks, "Why do three woods go funny places? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're impossible to hit. Stop playing three woods." Yeah, I listen. I we we both are like anti three wood. Um, I I still want to try and see if we can find you a three wood. I'm no, like totally well, we did out. we did some three wood testing today. It just never goes well. Yeah, but that one wasn't exactly like built for for like your game. No, it it definitely wasn't. But we, we but even it, the ones that are, but it pro- it proved that that club definitely does what it's right. supposed to do, and for for that certain kind of golfer. But yeah, it does what a three wood's supposed yeah. to do. It goes yeah. way left and super squirrely. Well, what about what about <laughs> that's the, what, what they're designed? What about for, the fitter right? over here? Why do three woods go funny places? Why do they go funny places? That's so. If we look at it from a technical perspective, here we, oh, go. Here we go. Yeah, I like this. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Get some so, real meat on this bone. Yep. We look at the evolution of the trends as far as where technology is going. Everything is going low spin, low spin, low spin, low spin. So majority of us out there don't necessarily generate enough spin with a three wood to produce a stable ball flight and keep it airborne long enough to really benefit from the loft that most three woods play at. So with that being said, ball flight becomes low, low spin, and therefore more unstable. And hard to launch it off the turf just in general. Exactly. It doesn't have enough spin or enough initial launch to produce enough spin Mm -hmm. to get a stable ball flight and have predictability out of that particular club. I mean, we've talked about it more times than I can count. Those higher lofted fairway woods are just easier, and they're easier for multiple reasons. Higher launch, more spin, equals more control, more playability. 
And length of shaft too. Three woods are always like the longest plays into it too. Shaft club that you have in the bag that you have to hit off the deck. Exactly. You know, I mean, there's three woods can go funny places for a a multitude of reasons, (laughs) but I'm I am a firm believer in lack of spin produced by those clubs, and just there's no place to hide with it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't just hit it square and have enough speed to produce launch characteristics that really benefit that type of club, no reason to have it in the bag. There you go. There, there's your there's answer. the technical There's a answer. real answer from the man himself. We both answered the same way. <laughs> because the club sucks. And then we get a real answer over here. All right. So next question. This one comes from Jake Bailey. Are the Titleist concept irons really worth it? So if you don't know the concept irons, they are Titleist concept car design. They had the uh, concept, the O2 and the O3s, and they were 500 bucks an iron. And I remember when we posted the first story and a lot of people said, $500 an iron, that's ludicrous. Nobody should ever have to pay that much for irons. And then I watched over the last two years as we put them out during player testing for club tests, and they routinely were like a top two iron for people who, who hit them. Like out of all the irons they tested, concept was in that like top two, top three. Mm-hmm. So my answer, like in short is, is the price crazy? I mean, sure. 500 bucks an iron is, is, I mean, that's going to make your eyes go wide, but based on what I saw from player testing, I mean, they're legitimate. I think, I mean, Chris, how many golfers have come through and hit concept and just been blown away by the tech? So I can tell you with absolute certainty that if we're pulling concept out of the drawer, if it's in the budget, majority of the time it wins yeah it's it's just on a different level again it is you know it's it's just one of those clubs that if a player doesn't balk at the price and i'm up front i'm transparent i tell the player straight away this is the most expensive iron head we have in the drawer however if price isn't an object and you're more concerned about overall performance and prices is secondary it let's test it oh i don't pull it if i know for a fact that this is way out of our budget Mm -hmm. because if it wins then we have disappointment and then the player is always in that position of ah i really want this one and i know this one is second best Uh, you just you just don't even bring it out of the drawer unless you know this particular player is going to be comfortable with that price tag but if it comes out of the drawer more often than not it wins yeah take inventory of the bank account before you even test it I highly recommend it. It's going to be a huge tease. All right. Next question from Push Custom. They make some awesome head covers, by the way. Check them out on Instagram, Push Custom. I actually, uh, I was one of the first ones to highlight what they were doing. They will turn like a jersey into a head cover for you. A jacket, anything like sentimental or just something cool. They can turn it into a head cover. They've got some awesome designs. Go check them out on Instagram. They want to know, do... Head covers make you play better. Do cool head covers make you play better? <laughs> yeah. Like when you pull that that dope driver cover off your driver, gives you that little boost of confidence. Like, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I wish it did, but I've had plenty of really cool head covers and they haven't made me play better. So maybe it's just me. But it's a confidence thing. You know, it it's like feel- stepping up on the tee like in your your flyest outfit. Like you're feeling pretty good, look good, play good. I I agree with that. I agree with that. You have to you have to look good. You have to have that 
that edge, the competitive edge. And a custom head cover is, I mean, talking to somebody that literally has a custom head cover on every wood in his bag, even though I suck. And the irons? Well, yeah, you have to have iron covers. <laughs> and I don't want him to get beat up. And right? Chris is out. <laughs> <laughs> I have custom iron covers. Custom. Uh, that's a lie. <laughs> okay. Uh, my 11 wood head cover is phenomenal. <laughs> don't even ask them what's on the 13 wood. Okay. We need a picture of these covers. <laughs> yeah. Though, for real. We got to give it to the, the Instagram followers. We got to let the people know what you're working with. My favorite, my favorite cover in the bag currently. And I have a rotation. I have a rotation. Wow. Of covers. I do. All right. You know, favorite one cover of those guys. in the bag currently is the, the Dormy Ninja. Ooh. Oh, got it at Gaza Ranch. And walk in the golf shop. See one little ninja sitting on the shelf in the uh, in the golf shop there, and obviously not a member at Gazer, but uh, <laughs> made friends with the uh, the head pro there. And, he just doesn't uh, want us to play out there with him. Yeah, yeah, we no, get it. Not a member can't can't go play. Not a thing. <laughs> don't um, DM me. <laughs> yeah, don't don't DM me. Don't can't DM me. Not on Insta. So ninja had to come home. I had to, it took me, took me two days to convince the head pro that I needed this head cover in my life. And I ended up picking him up about 12 yards with a, uh, with a driver fitting. And that, there we go. that'll do it. That justified, good trade the, off. Uh, that will do it. Justified the, the dormy ninja coming home with me. So that is, that is currently my favorite one. So you rotate head covers is the, uh, the dormy cover only coming out when you play like match play or two man best ball or something. Like no, if you're playing I, stroke play, you don't bring out the, the Dormy Ninja? Well, I mean, generally speaking, I can't play competitive golf because I suck. <laughs> but Mostly because I suck. Yeah, mostly because I suck. I have, my, I have my name on my bag, and it's a little embarrassing when I go post, you know, like an 85 at a, at a local muni course. And they're yeah. like, really? That's a cool bag, bro. <laughs> Sick name on the bag, dude. I like those head covers, though. <laughs> like, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> Birdie free round today, huh? Yeah, yeah, that's that's normal. <laughs> Birdie free round. <laughs> All right, I just got that one. Next question. Next question. Uh, Matt Storman four wants to know: Do most tour pros go lighter or heavier in their wedge shafts compared to their iron shafts? It's always heavier. It's just a, a feel thing. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, and we've talked about it. it most of your tour pros out there aren't taking full cuts with their wedges. So having a little heavier shaft, just maintain some stability and control for those half swing shots, the specialty shots when they're trying to hit a specific number. Although I do believe Marty Jertson says you should go lighter on the wedge shafts. Remember I mean, I, he was talking about I that? Wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt Marty, but it's just like everybody, when everybody else is going the other direction. Oh, I'm, I didn't say. Marty it. says jump off a bridge, are you jumping off? <laughs> He'll probably give me like the exact specifications of the bridge <laughs> he's like you will survive and the trust angle, me the ang- and i'll be like all right the angle like, you need to take yeah. to make it to the bottom exactly, exactly. there you go and all then right. he's going to tell you that thanksgiving dinner is played out <laughs> then i'm out then he's out uh this is funny actually the next question not from the same guy but also wedge shaft question which is interesting uh james 27 rooney asks what makes specialist wedge shafts better than the same shaft as your irons Better than the same shaft as the iron. Mm. Yeah. So again, depends on the types of shots that you're trying to hit with your wedges. So you can get wedge shafts, specialty wedge shafts that are more stable, different bend profiles, allowing you to add spin, allowing you to flight it higher, flight it lower. 
So really kind of customizing and controlling ball flight depending upon the types of shots you're trying to hit. So you can get different weight categories, different bend profiles, different, I mean, you can produce different launch conditions depending upon the type of shaft and weight and bend profile that you're putting in your wedges. There's a lot you can do with wedge shaft and really kind of dialing it in. It really comes down to just fine tuning the feel and checking that box of objective, what you're trying to do with the wedge. There we go. Fair enough. All right. Uh, I'm not even, I don't even know what this Instagram handle is. I'm sorry, but here's your question Go for it. Anything <clears throat> new from Titleist in the MBCB department, as far as what we've spotted on tour, besides the Adam Scott and Justin Thomas one-off designs. Um, no, but it's 22 is going to be an iron year for Titleist. So for those that aren't aware, Titleist goes in and every other year. So you go, you know, woods, then irons, woods, and irons. And so 22 will be an iron year. I would anticipate the way that they've been running their, their cadence that we probably see something around the U S open would, would be my guess for whatever reason. It was like three years ago or so when, Justin Thomas and a couple other of the Titleist guys really wanted them to bring out the woods that week for TS. And they brought the woods out and that kind of changed the way that they normally did it. They, they would normally do it after a major, but then I guess, you know, it's a big week. There's a chance that they might be coming out. Tursky's holding up his finger. <laughs> I did spot something out on tour. Oh my goodness. Uh-oh. Hold on. I don't want to get his name wrong. Oh well, okay. Yes, we did mention these the 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 all black, the yep. black version of the T series irons. Yep, I think he's and the MBs and, and the, the MB. CBs. Okay, but I think this I think this question's more are are we seeing anything? Well, that was new. That is to new. Me. You're right. You're to right. be fair, You're to be fair right. to the question. All right. Um, so there, credit, there is some, there is some new stuff. He he actually this was this was our like you know, reverse mush pick. Did you even check where he finished? No, I didn't. I should check that right now too while I'm looking up his name. All right. Well, while you're doing that, I'll get to the next question. Uh, from Caleb Taran. Yeah. Sorry. There you go. Got it. With the black version. So there are there is, there is something new out there. Maybe they come out with a, a black version of the current T-Series and they kind of mix it up. But I think most, most golfers are probably looking ahead to the next... Yeah. whatever the new line is from titles. It's coming. It's coming next. It's coming in 22 and probably like middle of the years when you'll start to see it show up on tour. Good buddy. Charlie Couts wants to know, when can I expect a golf ball with GPS tracking? Are we two years out? Five? It's a great question. So I, I actually looked back um, Encore years back at the PGA show, debuted a golf ball called Genius. And it had a built-in GPS tracker. They tested it out. It could withstand 15,000 G's. So yeah, enough to withstand a hit from a golf, you know, from a club. And that's kind of like the last we really heard of it was this technology is out there. Who knows what the cost could be? And I think that's what it ultimately boils down to is like, what's one of these golf balls going to cost? And what if you knock it in the water? Um, you have to unsink it from your phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's my thing. Is like what what happens in that case, and like Forget how device, how, how far are you going to go? Constant to, notifications to get popping this, up. To get your this. ball is still in the water. <laughs> but it, I mean, it does it does bring up 
uh, a pretty like it's a thought provoking question because my my mind ultimately goes to like this is probably the future for for golf. I mean we've we've come a long way. We now have we now have shot tracer at like every tournament. Yeah. And you're you're getting the numbers. I mean this is like the next step is being able to like get all of the numbers instantaneously for every player out on tour. Um, you know, just trying to allow the fans like even more insights into their, you know, what their favorite tour pro does and like how their game differs in those numbers compared to, you know, somebody else. I think it's, I think it's coming. I mean, five years would be like maybe five years, but I would say maybe like closer to 10 because you got to find a way to, to produce it and do it. I just, I don't know. I, I can't I, believe it hasn't happened yet. Like I, on, I a, have on a major scale, totally different perspective. I'm saying won't happen because golf ball manufacturers will oh, sell yeah. less golf balls. They don't want you to find. Why a golf would they want to do that? <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's a great. <laughs> if point. you're selling a dozen golf balls for fifty bucks a dozen, and now let's just say you have a smart ball that you sell for a hundred dollars a dozen. Mm-hmm. Okay, now not unrealistic if these balls are chipped you find them you're able to track them down okay great wonderful how often are you going to have to replace that dozen golf balls if you find the ball every time so if you have a smart golf ball and it's linked to your phone and you lose it you happen to lose it someone else picks it up once you know like where this guy went to and you can go track down your oh, lost that's golf just ball. a whole creepy element. Like, that's that was my next thing was like Big Brother, you know, I, being yeah. able to know like where the golf ball is. Maybe when you're not on the golf course, I'm you, out like, on GPS golf balls. Now, you, what, now officially out. This is this is a fun topic now. Now now you saying that <laughs> just got the wheels turning. Oh, I'm gosh. going okay. So now Mr. conspiracy uh-oh. theorists over here. Let's get the edit. What happens ready. if? Oh gosh, here playing, we go. Playing in a match, you snag your opponent's golf ball. Mm-hmm. Throw it in the pocket. Oh, you know, can't find it. Looked all over the rough, can't find it. Mm-hmm. And your fellow competitor is like, bullshit. <laughs> I see my golf ball walking around right now. So. <laughs> Let me see in your pocket. Empty your pockets. It's in your bag. I know what you did, and I don't like it. Oh, that, I mean, that these, opens up. These Pandora's are legitimate box. concerns. Uh, yeah. I'm saying not going to happen. Not going to happen. I don't think, I don't think any ball manufacturer is going to go, you know what? I want to sell less golf balls. It's not going to be a major golf ball manufacturer. It's going to be somebody like an Encore. Like somebody's going to come out with this. Could be a thing. It's going it's going to happen. I th- I think it's going to happen. With the way technology's going, somebody's going to find a way to to do it at a reasonable enough price to to release them. So or whomever comes out with it, Titleist, <laughs> TaylorMade, Callaway, they're going to buy that technology and shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We might maybe see that's, it for a season. Wait, maybe that is what happened already. Entirely possible. Yeah. yeah. Somebody was like, you, you can, know. You, yeah, you can uh, get the patent. Everything's and got then, a price tag. Yeah. And then just make it go away. She gone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Throw that patent in the Hudson oh, River. Oh, wow. There's, there, there, there is a couple of tinfoil hats here. All right. Next question for Just Trap has, uh, this is an interesting one. Any chance Bryson's new irons will come to mass market? So Tursky did a story on a video Bryson had posted where he was doing some testing with Cobra's VP of R and D Tom Olsovsky, out in Dallas, the Dallas national actually. 
uh, if you want to know. And they were testing a new iron, and, and uh, Bryson was talking about how great these irons were, and they were blurring out the irons. And they're prototypes. They're they're maybe 3D printed irons. Tursky, maybe 3D I think printed irons. Maybe 3D printed irons was possibly least, 3D possibly printed possibly 3D printed. Irons. He tested the 3D printed, and I think he tested uh, two other ones that'll be like in the main line. Yeah, I mean, I think anything. I would that, think that the other two he was testing will definitely come out, and the yeah. ones uh, he was testing the 3D printed ones, like the super prototypes, probably not, or at least not at least not maybe initially. But maybe like an exclusive run that are like crazy expensive. That. Like, yeah. you know, why not? I, I mean, think all can, these companies should do that. Like put yeah. out JT's irons, put them one out of a hundred and sell them for $6,000 a set. Like they're going to sell out. Yeah. They're going to sell out. Yeah. What and they then, should just do is, is come <laughs> out with like a, like a game worn sort of like club worn. Like what do they do with all the worn clubs? Like the worn wedges. Why don't you just like sell those? Think about the money you could make if you had, they go in like boxes at Ben Showman's tour cage. Well, like that's yeah. we know what they do. <laughs> well, I know, I know, Bryson's do, but I'm just saying, like for like a JT fan, like what if yeah. you could, what if you could, you know, bid on like the wedges he used to win a tour event. I think JT's like, actually pretty good with like the uh, custom foot joys that he wears for certain events. Oh yeah, like the, the shoes. Or whatever, but I'm saying like, like clubs. He'll, he'll sign it and give it away for charity. Yeah, I, I bet that's what they do with a lot of that stuff. Like maybe they'll give it to a first tee program or. They'll give it to like their coach to put on a trophy mantle or whatever the case is, you know. Yeah, I think it would be smarter for companies to do that, but it's probably hard for them to get a hold of it for like, you know, their own purposes. Right. Players probably want to keep it to themselves. Yeah. All right. Next question. This is one that we, I've I've gotten this one a few times, but we have never answered it. Uh, We've always ducked the question. Sean Scully Golf wants to know, what's your favorite bag on any tour? Like the actual physical bag or the, no, like, like, the setup? like the setup? The setup. Oh, man. Favorite in terms of like Basically, you're jealous of it and you want to switch to it? Or favorite in terms of like the entertainment factors are super high? I mean, take it, take it. Like, I don't feel like there's... I'm talking it out right now. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how I want to answer the question. Yeah, I mean, you, I think you can answer it either way. I'm not fast enough to play any set configuration that's out yeah. on tour. Yeah. Hmm. That's tough. I have like Matt Kuchar's bag in my head because I just did the deep dive on his bag. And it was all clubs from like six years ago. <laughs> like I always think that's super entertaining when guys use like really old sets of irons or like Kuchar's playing the the red I've already got mine. I've already got mine. So I'm ready to rock. Just just oh, waiting man. on you. Just waiting on you, bud. Oh man. No. Just waiting on you. Fired well, off go ahead. Yeah. Fire Come it on. Because I gotta you think. You guys, about it. you guys are not gonna be surprised with my answer. Scotty Scheffler. Oh my God. No chance I could play So his. even though Every he's a single podcast, even you though, sneak his name even though he's somehow. a longhorn, he's still in that G four hundred LST, which was a like absolute bomber driver. Chris can attest to that. Absolutely. Yeah. The Nike VR Pro 3-wood? Oh, yeah. I like the that. The Shrixon ZU85. He also has the ZX7 4-iron, which I love that he's kind of mixing up. Then he throws in the P7TWs. 5 through pitch. I mean, do I need to keep that's going? A, that's a nice He's Vokey SM8 in the wedges. He's got the Super Rat from Scotty Cameron in the putter. Pro V1 golf ball. It's like a really good, like eclectic mix of gear. 
but like a lot of that those clubs that like people really want, mm-hmm. but maybe they can't play. It's it's a killer setup. So Scotty Scheffler, that's mine. And, and how's the dexterity for you? Uh not good. <laughs> yeah. Not good. But I but I will I, try I will try and hit that uh VR Pro three wood. I, I, I don't know how how good that pick is. I mean Listen, we're not going by handedness here. Okay. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm going by the, my favorite bag. It's Scotty Scheffler in a landslide. There okay. you go. Chris? Well, now I'm taking Phil Mickelson. <laughs> How's the dexterity, How's the dexterity for you there, for you? bud? Perfect. I suck no matter how I swing it, so you know, it doesn't matter what I have in the bag. Phil Phil's a good pick because he's always he's he's always gonna have something. He's got a bag full of really cool proto stuff at any yeah. given time. Yeah. I mean he just pick. likes the the bag jewelry. Yeah. It's a good pick. I like it. Tursky. Does it have to be current? No. Just like Tiger's nineteen ninety seven Masters winning setup. Uh Duh. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Tursky, Tursky with, the, with the cop out there. I think Scheffler wins wins that battle. Or enough. like when Anthony Kim was using the Sasquatch. The Sasquatch. Like, give, yeah, give, me, give me that setup. <laughs> I want AK Sasquatch. <laughs> you want to blow does your it, eardrums out? Does it come with the belt too? The belt buckle? Does it come with some earplugs? <laughs> and you have to oh. have John Hamm hit it for you. Oh, my gosh. All right. Damn. There, there you go. For everybody that's always want to know, there are picks for our favorite bag on any tour. Uh, another titleless iron question. Man, everybody loves these. Somebody wants to know if the 681 AS and the 621 JTs are going to be coming out in 22. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Yeah, we're yeah. probably not going to see them 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if they come out, it's going to be- ways out. Yeah, ways out. Yep. If we see them 23, and that's, that's if, if yeah. they get that tour validation- and you get enough people asking for them. It's such a niche market. But Taylor May did it. Yeah. And they did it fairly quickly too, didn't they? Yep. I mean, all things considered. Yeah. From where you see a prototype to production and then mass produced. It, so it could happen. Not something that we've seen Titleist do in the past. But never know. Yep. This is Tiger's this, a big name too. Truth. This is a really gear nerdy question somebody wants to know is the pga club ruler different than the mitchell ruler like the way that they measure golf clubs pga clubs ruler different than the mitchell ruler i mean i didn't they're measuring for length i think they're asking because um you know the 46 inch rule sure so obviously length is measured differently for each company so it could actually be legal based on one company's measurement Whereas if the PGA ruler is different, it could actually be illegal. So there could be a discrepancy there. So most tour trucks I've been on have used Mitchell machines and have had Mitchell products on them. I mean, that's kind of the, the benchmark for most reputable build shops and tour departments. And oh. So basically the PGA club ruler would be a Mitchell ruler. I would assume. I don't know. Yeah. And then know. it's based on like, like we had talked about, uh, depending on lie angle too, like, sure, you know, it can extend and it depends on like exactly where you put it, where, where you measure it. So what is 46 inches, 46 inches from where? Right. So yeah, there can be discrepancy there. I'm not sure about the ruler that's used. I'm yeah. not a club builder personally. Yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't seen the one that like the tour uses when they're. Yeah, is there, is there a, a godfather of rulers? I, I, don't, I don't. Let's just go to the next question. Uh, give me the quickest rundown you can on GSS versus my Scotty 
Mine still works just fine with a winky face. With a winky face. <laughs> just had to point that out. So GSS versus what? Just their regular Scotty. Saying I mean, basically what's German stainless steel is what they're asking. Yeah, what what is German stainless steel? Which is the which is GSS. German stainless steel is just a pricier material for for Scotty putters. It's what softer. Scotty uses. Yeah, it is softer. Uh, it's what Scotty uses on his tour putters. It's what Tiger has on his and JT and can you know. confirm it's very very soft. Yeah, I've I mean, I've rolled GSS. Yeah. It's yeah. And I've rolled Tiger's back up. No big deal. No big deal. Very soft. But have you been to Augusta? <laughs> I've been to Augusta. Have you played Augusta? Well, next question. <laughs> so there you go. Soft, Don't ask me that. Softer no material. questions for you, Chris. Softer <laughs> material, pricier material. But look, your your Scotty is just because it's not GSS. I mean, even the even the circle T's, and we've talked about the story of the circle T before, yeah. which denotes Scotty's tour putters. Those aren't all made out of GSS. Some are just made out of, of carbon steel. And yeah, they feel great. Like I've I've got a, a 009 at home and I it's it's carbon steel. I love it. It's 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 good feel, but I'm not using it right now, and the putter I have in the bag is rolling just fine. So you gotta just ask yourself, how much does it matter to me to pay that much more? Well, I think this goes if back- it doesn't matter to you, like if the money doesn't matter to you, then get what you want. Well, this if- kind of goes back to like you, you know, the concept conversation that we had on right. like you know justifying $500 an iron set of clubs or even like does does a cool head cover make me play better you know it's i i don't think that splashing for a GSS putter is going to going to ever make you putt better spending yep. time on on the putting green is and as as this and, question said mine still works just fine exactly unless you right. go to the Scotty gallery <clears throat> itself and like you get fit and get on the system and get the the loft, the lie, the head shape, the alignment line that you need. Like, no, I don't think buying a putter ever off the rack is going to be worth it. But if you get dialed into exactly what you want, then yeah, then it's custom fit to you. And it might be, an but then the material point. won't matter. I've had players that have come in with a GSS product for a putter fitting, and we've gone to other manufacturers, milled heads. Uh, carbon steel heads and even some products that are not milled and the feel that they have, the feedback that they have, some players can't even tell the difference. Mm. I mean, feel is subjective and nobody can pretend to tell you what you feel. So regardless if it's a, a German steel, a Japanese steel, a composite steel, whatever the case may be, the auditory feedback that you get from it, the feel that you have at impact and everybody's different and it's subjective to the individual and like does the toe hang match up like where's that cg throughout your stroke because i feel like that matters too sure like, absolutely. and where you're hitting it on the head if you keep hitting this one low toe it's going to feel terrible whereas if you're hitting one in the center every time you're going to be like oh it feels so buttery soft 100 like that might not be based on the material it might be based on how this putter fits you yeah the dynamics of it right. I mean, the optics of it the shape of it the weight of it there's so many different components that go into it beyond just the material. Yep. Yeah. So there's that. There's that. <laughs> Any more okay. Titleist questions? Yeah, I was say, yeah, <laughs> oh I, my I, God. This, and this podcast is sponsored to you by <laughs> Titleist. Uh, it's actually no, not. It's actually not. But there have been a lot of Titleist questions. They could be. Oh, here's, oh. <laughs> here's one that we get a lot. How much can drivers really change from year to year at this point? Um, you know... I will say this, it it's not 
it's not that much. If you're talking about, you know, standard face technology. We'll get to you in a second. We'll get to you in a second. <laughs> getting fit, yes, Chris. Getting fit. Let me let me let me cut you off at the pass. Getting fit helps, but let me just say this. No, not where I was going. In, incremental change, you know, incremental improvements. Sure, you'll see it from from year to year with the companies that release drivers on a, on a yearly basis. The big changes you're going to see is is when say like a Titleist comes out with that that ATI face that they had on their TSI driver. I mean, that was a massive jump in ball speed for them. Absolutely. From, from what they had been using traditionally for, for their face materials on their drivers. Um, it, it takes, that's why I think you see a lot of manufacturers right now trying to come up with improvements beyond ball speed because a lot of them have sort of hit that ceiling. So it's about tightening the dispersion and, and trying to really dial in things for, for specific kinds of golfers. But yeah, I mean, if you're if you're a golfer buying a new driver every year, you're probably not going to see massive like jumps in in ball speed, but you might see improvements in other areas where you struggle, and that's why you should at least go test them. <clears throat> Nobody's putting a gun to your head and saying buy this driver, but it's probably still good to like say, "All right, these four drivers intrigue me. I'm going to go test them out and see how they do against my gamer." That's would, all I'm going to say. I would just say from my perspective, I test a lot of product every year. I hit pretty much really? every driver that enters the market and I have for you know the last six years. And I would just say that you know, not necessarily a material difference or like this driver is definitely faster than this driver, but it's always the companies like designing these different heads that are like better for a certain style of swing. Like I just hit one driver. I can't say the name yet. Um, Yesterday it was, and I just felt like the head was just made for me. Like in terms of spin launch, the way it looks, the way it sits, like every year, year after year, they make these guys prototypes and they just fine tune the heads. So it's like really when a head comes out like that, that releases like if you're going to go with the most forgiving product every year, maybe they're not making huge jumps in ball speed specifically off the center of the face, you know, maybe more forgiveness and they're you know, playing with the weight systems and they're getting that CG in the right spot for a player that's going to make them better. Yep. So there you go. My turn. Yeah. Yeah. We've been waiting for you. I just wanted to get my thing off before you like. I understand. (gasps) Okay. I feel better. (laughs) So can you repeat the question? Yep. We're about to get a diatribe. Oh my gosh. How much can drivers really change from year to year at this point? Great question. So you hit on it a little bit. So when we're talking about improvements in overall performance, everything's been regulated. Everything has been limited. So as far as a center struck shot with a square face and angles being essentially neutralized, the golf ball can only physically leave the face so fast. So the improvements that we're seeing are kind of what you had hinted at as far as flight control and maintaining stability and creating shot shapes for players that struggle with a particular miss. The overall improvement that we're continuing to see with innovation is collaborations with other companies outside of the golf industry. So Mm -hmm. partnerships with not necessarily golf companies to come up with aerodynamics to physically get the club head to travel faster. Also, with maintaining stability and consistency of ball speed on other areas of the face that aren't necessarily the center. 
Though, in addition to that, the improvements that we're seeing are downrange dispersion stabilities. So even if we hit it with a little bit of an open face or a shut face or off the toe or off the heel, like we were seeing with twist face, I and mean, rather than seeing that diving hook with no spin on it, twist face gives us the ability to miss off the toe and still maintain a relatively stable ball flight in comparison to something that doesn't incorporate that technology. So including some different materials, moving weight around, we are still seeing benefits. But as far as centered struck right out of the middle of the face, we're not going to see much more speed. There you go. I think I said the same thing already. I just oh. like the way I said it better. <laughs> there we go. Okay, next question. Let's get through like five more. I think it's been fun. I love this. these. Yeah, we could, we could, we could probably just like riff on these for, for hours, but I also don't want people to have to They probably wish we would invest. I got to tell you, I, I feel like I'm better answering these questions than than making picks at who's going to win a golf tournament. <laughs> Absolutely, we're, we're not we're not doing we're not doing picks. <laughs> well, you can't be worse. Well, so. you know what? This would be a good week that. to do picks because there are only sixteen guys in the field. I so. like the odds. <laughs> All right, are non-sponsored players paid for using equipment during tournament rounds? I'd say no, most of the time, other than the golf ball. Yeah, but I mean, even like. Even the guys that are using the golf bar aren't getting paid unless they have some sort of a like a ball deal in place, non-sponsored. Mm -hmm. So um, there, there were <laughs> much. How much trouble do I want to get into? I, I say, say we go to the next question. Is, the next this question. Is a slippery slope. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll just go. There, there's some. There was, are some. I was giving them laser yeah, eyes. There are right some. There. there are some truly wild stories. I wish I could tell you. Yeah, let's do. It. Um, but the the answer <laughs> is in years past. Yes, like to like win to win counts. Things have happened. Things have gone down Listen, behind you, the scenes. You keep trying to answer the question. Yep. There we go. <laughs> yep. That's all I'm saying. That's it. I'm done. It's subjective depending <laughs> upon the situation, <laughs> the player, the OEM involved. <laughs> Chris is trying to save me. I'm just ready to jump <laughs> off the edge. Just just, just go right in. All right. Does this make any sense? I'm a 13 handicap that hit blades better than any iron I'm supposed to play. Supposed to is in air quotes. Um. I mean, we've we've discussed this a little bit on the podcast before with, you know, the the old adage, aim small, miss small. You know, sometimes it maybe it makes sense to have a you know a, a blade iron if you're trying to work on like consistency. Maybe you have a blade iron that you can hit on the range just to try and work on on your game. I mean, does it does it make any sense? I mean, no, but maybe you're a really good thirteen. I I, I don't know. It's just there's some things about golf that you just quite can't quite explain. So he said he is a 13 handicap, but he hits blades better than anything. Yeah. Okay. It yeah. begs the question for me, like if you hit blades better than anything, where are we losing strokes? Like if right. we're hitting, 13 around, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're if we're hitting blades better than any <laughs> other iron offering out there, I want to know did he get fit for those? Obviously. Mm -hmm. And also, if we're at a 13 index, where is it that we're losing strokes? Is it you know, proximity to the hole? Is it greens and regulation? Is it that just consistency off the tee? Is it putting or short game? Whatever the case may be. As if you're a good enough ball striker to consistently hit blades better than anything else, I'm saying there's improvements to be had in other parts of the bag in order to get you down to a single digit. Of where is that that hemorrhage of strokes happening that's keeping this player at a 13 
So yeah. does it make sense that you hit blades better than anything else? On paper, no, but I've seen it. And I know that there are guys out there that if you put anything in their hand that has thicker top line, more offset, just a larger blade length, heel to toe, they don't hit it as solid. So I have seen that before. It is an oddity, but I'd be curious as to where the where the leak is in the bag that's still keeping him at a 13. There's a rat in the bag. Rat in the bag. I want to see the proof, first of all. Let's see wow. some numbers. <clears throat> Just saying. Hershey's I'd, asking for the papers. I'd, I'd like to see the papers on that. What's the set but, composition? Is he but playing it's, it's definitely yeah, three right, iron down right. through pitch? Is it? Does he does he start at a, a seven iron and have a bag full of hybrids, or you know, does he have the thirteen wood like I do? Or <laughs> thirteen? Oh my gosh! I, w- I would say though, there's like a huge comfort <clears throat> level involved with irons, like you know. Like way back in the day when I was playing blades, it's like you get so used to blades and then you start testing with something a little bit more forgiving and you're like, I can't hit it, can't hit it, can't hit it. And then you start working into it and then you get really comfortable with it. Then you go back to blades and you're like, how did I ever play these? You know, it's like that comfort level. And then like you get to know your yardages, you know your miss, you know how your swing feels with them. Like sometimes those big headed irons, like the CG just kind of feels weird in my hands and like end up being really late on it or I start flipping on it and it's just like doesn't hit right, you know? I see a ton of those players that come in with blades and they're in for an iron fitting and you start putting other iron categories, different shapes, different mm-hmm. sizes, different you know, just looks into their hand and there's there's a mental block. I can't hit anything but blades. Right. And the game doesn't justify, their ball striking doesn't justify, their speed doesn't justify you know, having that blade iron in the bag and we find something that potentially just blows the door off of this blade iron and the mental block of, I can't look at that. Yeah. You can work yourself but, into those like mental issues too. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm a mental midget when it comes to a lot right. of things in my bag. I mean, same. And I, uh, I've, I've had to, I've had to eat crow a few times more than once. <laughs> I think we all have. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> Another MB question. I love my MBs, but not playing as much. When do I switch to more forgiveness? Now. I would say now. Yeah, now. But I good- think he meant in the bag. Like seven iron, six iron, where should he cap a split set? Not like when should I switch to more forgiving irons? Obviously now would be the answer. Right? I mean, where I would have thought he would have said, where do I switch to more forgiveness? Like where in the bag do you, hmm. do you add it? Okay. Let's answer both. Yeah. Okay, so first part now. Now, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, obviously, I, I don't think you necessarily. <laughs> Unless you're going to start playing like way more. Yeah, but if you're an MB guy, I mean, there's so many great irons out there right now that still give you a pretty similar profile, but are going to have a little bit of ball speed, a little bit of forgiveness. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to go to like that full blown, you know, game improvement iron. And we've talked about players distance irons before. Uh, maybe you go to something like that. Maybe you go to like, uh, you know. Mizuno MP20 MMC. I mean, there yeah. there there are some irons out there. I mean, even I mean, would you would you put like the TaylorMade like the P7 MC? Would you, you would, you, would you throw it in there, or is it a little? Do you think that's a little too unforgiving? I mean, even I mean, going, that's a blade. You know, yeah, even even going to a CB or going to some yeah. type of muscle cavity that still has the thin top line, that still has the minimal amount of offset but still has a little discretionary weight that's low, that has some perimeter weighting, some game improvement issues. I mean, 
transitioning into like a T100. I was just going to say T100. Dang it. I should have said it before you got there. Or T100S. Can't wait. Apex Pro? Yeah, you can get away. There's yep. there's so many that kind of fall into that category, and there's there's representation of all of those on every major tour. I mean, you have Ping I fifty nine. Why not? Just going you just said there. that as fast as you could. Ping I fifty nine. Got to get it in there. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, I mean, there's so many in that category that are like worthwhile too, and all these companies really now have like three different options in that wheelhouse. Yeah. So you have like the really small up to like the almost super game improvement, but they're not. And like the technology's tucked and they look pretty good. Like it's a great time to be in the iron market. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, and do we want to answer the where do I switch to more forgiveness? I mean, I would think. You, I would say at the seven. Yeah, I was going to say it's like six iron. I mean, if. Yeah. If you're playing MBs, you're not playing as much. I mean, I don't know what as much means. Does that mean that you're playing? That means you know, like once a month to me. Yeah. Like I'm not really yeah, playing. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe seven. I'm not really playing, but sometimes I play. I would say like, like I need something. six. But yeah, yeah seven, seven you could do. And I have a, a qualifying question that I ask players when they ask me. So if I want to build a combo set or some type of mixed bag set, mm-hmm. where do I make the break? And right. for me, the, the qualifying questions that I ask are at what point are you just trying to hit the green and at what point do you start going pen hunting Mm -hmm. so if you are at a seven iron break where this is okay let's just say my 175 club i'm just trying to hit a green from 175 okay take that particular yardage play the more forgiving iron if at 175 you're pen hunting okay still play the more precision based club so that's where I kind of start to help players make the differentiation between here's a little more game improvement and here's more precision and accuracy based iron. I'm oh. trying to hit the green with my sand wedge. Can I do like a split wedge set? Yeah, and- get some wedge woods. <laughs> get some wedge woods. Shout out Alice Cooper. All right. Two more questions. We have so many good questions. We're going to need to do another mailbag pretty pretty soon. I would Deal. do these every week. Abs- yeah, honestly. I love these. Yeah, these are great. Are really yeah. fun. Uh, does everyone on tour feel like they have to use a TX flex shaft? No, no, definitely not. Yeah. I would say, I feel, feel like more amateurs who are into the gear on tour feel like they have <laughs> to play more a TX. Amateurs playing TX? Like, yeah. 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 No, I mean like use Dustin Johnson as a great example. I mean, he plays an X in his driver. He's not playing a TX. He swings. I mean, he swings it relatively fast still. I mean. A lot of guys play X flex. Yeah, X like, X is. I mean, you really don't need to go unless you're, you know, like Cam Champ or like Wilco Speed, or you just have like that type of swing where you transition super quick and you need something to be super stable up top. Yeah, it's iron shafts that Tiger plays. What are they? Mm-hmm. Doesn't he play X one hundreds? So X one S four. I thought he switched the S4 and the wedges. Yeah, S4 and the wedges. Yeah. Yeah. So you have one of the best players ever playing a quote-unquote stiff shaft Mm. in his wedges. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I see where you're going with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it flex is subjective, and it just depends on player profile, then profile of shaft, what is it you're trying to accomplish. Is every player on tour playing a extra stiff? No. Is everyone playing a TX? No. There's a mix all over the place depending upon what it is they're trying to do with that club. I felt so 
put on the spot there. I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> if I get Tiger's iron shafts wrong, whew, never lived that one down. All right, we're going to close it out with a great question. How good should you be before it's worth spending money on clubs rather than lessons? Good you question. To, you want me to take that one? Yeah. It's a really good question. That one. That's a good question. So I get that question a lot. It's, I want to work on my swing before I invest in golf clubs. And I mean, the, the way that I answer that is if you come to see me as a, a brand new beginning player, okay, the angles that you create as a player are more consistent than you would think. And if you're somebody that let's just say hypothetically has a hundred yard slice and I'm able to take the swing that you walk through the door with, no lessons whatsoever, and I'm able to build a golf club that produces a 30-yard slice. Angles that you create, still going to produce a slice. But if I can build a golf club that gets you playing a 30- or 40-yard slice instead of a 100-yard slice, are you going to play better golf? Yeah. And most people would say, yeah. So depending upon what it is that you're trying to accomplish as a player, you can be a brand new beginning golfer if you can get it airborne and forward, we can find golf clubs for you. Oh, more often than not, that higher handicap amateur is going to see more of an improvement in consistency and performance getting a custom fitting and a custom built set of clubs than a tour player. So, I mean, that high level amateur, they are so in tune with their body, they can make an improperly fit golf club work right. majority of the time. But... If you're somebody that is just learning the angles that you create, building a set of golf clubs that complements what it is that you naturally do will reward that player exponentially more than the high-level amateur or professional that is consistently seeing ball flights. I would say for like, I think that's, those are all great points. I just want to add my little two cents. I think if you're like a super, super beginner who has never really even played golf, it's like find a couple clubs that exactly. do fit like about right and then just go to the range every day and go to the short game area every day like get one wedge that's like about the right bounce with about the right shaft in it well, they're not even going to know about bounce I and mean, they're right but like if you go see like your local instructor and you're just like hey i just want like a sand wedge can you kind of look at my swing real quick and then you know help me like find something on ebay like you can do that with a wedge a seven iron and a driver and you can actually get really good at golf just doing that. Yeah. Learn the motion. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a good question. It's a deep question. It is. It's deep. You can, we could, we could probably. And we don't have an instructor on this podcast to like give their side because I'm sure they would like try to blow that yeah. argument up. Is that just the way it is? Well. But we could, we could uh, oh, have a, next week, maybe, instructor. Possibly. Maybe. So that was fun. There were were a lot of questions that were good. Some that were fun, but it was, I think it was a good eclectic mix for this mailbag. I have a quick uh, follow-up question. Where'd you teach at? I didn't know you had a teaching background. I did. Uh, So I taught back in St. Louis. I worked at a couple clubs uh, back in St. Louis, Missouri. And then uh, when I moved out here, we actually opened the second golf channel Academy in the state uh, down at the Legacy, and we uh, opened the Legacy Golf Performance Center. So I was one of the the first instructors with uh, 
a team of guys that worked down at Legacy. How long have we? Well, known I'm not Chris? gonna. I'm not gonna lie. We talked about it today, yeah, so I was just yeah. setting him up. On that. <laughs> it is cool, but I, I I heard Chris talk about it today, and it was just kind of like, whoa. Yeah, didn't, re- didn't realize that was. You're a Saint Lunatic. You used to bowl with Nelly. You got interesting dude background. Definitely very qualified to talk about golf. The Ocho. <laughs> That's right, the Ocho. <laughs> All right. Well, that was fun. Again, we've got a bunch more questions. So if we didn't get to yours this week, we will definitely get to it in a. Another mailbag, mailbag 2.0, mega mailbag 2.0. And if they want to ask another question, I think what you said, you want it on your personal handle, right? Uh, no, <laughs> no. If you, if you want to ask more questions, as always hit us up on social media. We are at fully underscore equipped on Twitter at flow cup golf on Instagram. Those are probably the two best. Yeah. If you're going to try and try and get us a question, Absolutely. Use, use one of those. I'm not sure if Tercy's going to be checking questions on, on TikTok. And even like, I don't know. Do they have questions? DMS on TikTok? <laughs> well, I was, no, I was kind I of, no idea. <laughs> since Mark's not here, we could just give out his personal coach's handle. cell number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you could just text. Yeah. All right. Hold on. Let me get any questions text that you coach. have directly to coach. Yeah. Hey Let's, coach. Why do, why do three woods go funny places? <laughs> Let's just see what happens. All right. Well, oh, it is it is getting late. I think we're all getting hungry. Yep. That was fun. That will do it for episode 118 of Fully Equipped. Wow. Always appreciate you listening. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>